We are so glad that you joined us today. God wants to do so much in you and through you, and we would love to hear about it. Would you send us an email at shannon at hectorfirst.com to tell us your story? You can also go online and give to this ministry by going to hectorfirst.com and clicking the Give tab. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you enjoy the message. Hey, if we're so glad that you're at church today. If you, have, uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 12. Uh, if you are new here, if, uh, if, you, uh, if you have not, there are ways to, to get plugged in. And in the seat back in front of you is a connection card. We'd love to, for you to fill that out. And there's a box in the back in the for you. Just drop that uh, in that box on your way out. And uh, we just want to say hi. We want to connect with you. And uh, we have a lot of things that are going on at church. Uh, tonight, just, uh, just a reminder, there's a chili cook-off and uh, a chance to win the golden spoon. And uh, then we have ministry, ministry groups. We have our men. We'll eat together and uh, we'll celebrate. And tonight, I'm going to talk just for a few minutes before we separate. We're going to talk just for a minute about our connect groups, which is the first Sunday night of the month. Uh, last, last time we only got to do it twice, uh, because of outages and they planned to do it. And I, th- I think we're going to do it twice. Am I, am I right? Yeah. And we missed out on a lot. So, uh, we want to make things up to, uh, this, this coming next few months. So tonight I want to talk about that just real quick, uh, before we, uh, before we break out into our sections, into our groups and it's going to be great. So you want to be here for that. Um, so good. I'm glad that you're here. 2023. Last week we had a great service. We had a great time in the Lord and God's power, His Spirit fell and filled this place. And and I am so grateful to have a church, to be a part of a church that welcomes the presence of the Holy Spirit and allows Him to move. And and that that that's not that's not just on me. That's on us, right? We do this together. Amen. Okay, I'm not, it's not about me pumping and priming, trying to get you to do something. When the power of the Holy Spirit moves and you allow it to move in you and through you, that's what makes it awesome. That's what makes it awesome. So my, uh, I am so grateful uh, for you and to be a part of this church. And today I want to, we're going to talk about transformation. 2023 is the year for you change. Change. To be transformed means to be changed, to be different, to be not like you was before, right? Transform. Anybody remember this book? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this part of this book, and maybe you remember, but inside a box, outside a box, upside down, or inside, outside, upside down. Remember that? Remember that book? Dr. Seuss book, a kid book. Inside, outside, upside down. You see, I believe that the Lord wants nothing more for him to have the, uh, the opportunity to be so much in your life that you are transformed inside, outside, and even upside down. Scripture says that, that even the apostles, they, when they left the presence of the Lord, that they turned the world upside down. 
inside, outside, upside down. You see, God is God of all. Now, look, I'll say this one time. It'll help things go a whole lot faster and better for me if y'all are awake. Amen. God is God of all. And all must find salvation in Jesus. That's the only way to make heaven your home is through the Son of God, which is Christ Jesus. It's the essence of Paul's message that we're fixing to, to get into, but for, for the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans, this is the essence. It's, it's why we put our faith in Christ. But then in Romans chapter 12, where we're fixing to read, in Romans chapter 12, something happens. There's a pivotal point that takes place. The therefore turns, the, turns us from the why to the what. Why do we put our trust in Jesus? So much so that we're willing to allow him to turn our lives inside out, inside, outside, upside down. I'll get it right in a minute. Why? Because he is Lord. He is the only God. That means for us in the world that we live in today, more than anything, you have to be different. You have to be changed. You have to be transformed. You have to be transformed. So over the next few weeks, we are going to dive into Romans chapter 12 through 16, and we're going to talk about some very uncomfortable topics. I've already started giving you advance notice that it's not going to be comfortable at HFA over the next few weeks, over the next year. Get ready to be uncomfortable. What does that mean for us? What is the details? How does that play out for you and your family? Transformation of who you are, of what you do, and of whom we do it with. And of that, we should look forward to it. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Thank you for standing for the reading of the word this morning. To present yourself as a living sacrifice. Now, when I, uh, growing up or even, you know, even in my older years, I didn't really understand. What does that mean? Offer yourself as a living sacrifice. What does that mean? We're going to talk about that in just a moment. But it says, offering your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. It, but then in verse 2, it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing your, by, but that by testing you may discern what the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by grace 
given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Heavenly Father, I, I pray this morning that you speak to us through your word. Speak to us, Lord, as through your anointing that you would just tear back the windows of heaven, Lord, and just pour out your word, your anointing, your spirit, your desire upon us today. As we stand in this place this morning, we ask God for more of you to be different, to be transformed, that this year, from this moment on, God, that we're going to be different not only in your eyes, but in the eyes of those around us. Help us, Father, to be more like you. It's like the world. In Jesus' name. And everybody scream, amen. amen, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for honoring the reading of the word this morning. Life together. Look, we're going to be in chapter 12. I didn't read all of it. We're going to be in chapter 14 as well, so you can keep that open for reference this morning. But life together as fellow believers, this is, this is one of the most important parts of our life. We do life together. We get to do things together. But I think that a lot of times that it gets overlooked that it's one of the first or the primary way that in which we are renewed in Christ, that we are transformed in Christ. It's when we do things together. How is that possible? Who likes to be at home alone? You don't have to raise your hand, but. <laughs> some, it's all right. Some some people like to be home alone. There's a thing that that when our kids were, I know Susan, she's like, there's a thing that we learned about when our kids, and maybe you know about it. When our kids were in college, there's this thing going around called the Enneagram. It's a personality test, and it tells you who you are, and it helps you understand you. It also helps your family, your significant other to understand you as well. And I know that for me, my personality, how I recharge, I need to be around people. I want to do anything. I want to go anywhere. I'm the life of the party. As you can tell by the video that you saw before service. That's me. But Susan, on the other hand, she is, her personality is she recharges when she's home alone. Or home alone with me. She doesn't want to do anything. How can it be possible that we're still together today? It's because God placed us together. Because I know that I need her to even me out. I need her to bring me back. Hey, we need to be home together tonight. We need to take a night off. We need to be together. But I also need to be there for her to say, hey, we need to get out more. We need to get out more. We need to do things. We need to, you know, we need to just have fun, right? We even each other out. So how is it possible? 
How is it possible to be, to allow the things, if, if, if being together with fellow believers is the, one of the first and primary ways that we are renewed and transformed, how can it be possible? Even when it doesn't make sense. You see, learning to live in community, learning to do things together as a church, as fellow believers, even and even especially when things are hard. Even when things are difficult, even when you're going through something that is so horrific, that's the time when most of the time you need somebody to come alongside you and to hold you up. Because what happens if you don't? You fall deeper and deeper and deeper into depression, deeper and deeper in loneliness, Look, whether you want to think about it or not, we need each other. And we won't know if you're in that state if we are not told. If we are not around each other. If we don't do things together. I can't read your mind. I can't. Susan and I were talking this last week. I think I mentioned this on Wednesday night, maybe Sunday night. I don't remember last week. That how can, how can someone go through life or, and not want or not have or not want a church family? I love my church family. I love you. You say, well, you don't even know me. Let me get to know you. Come to church. Come to connect groups. Come to Sunday school. I knew I'd get that out of her. Come to Sunday school. Last night, I was thinking, I broke. I was, singing this, I was singing that song, and I don't even know the words, the whole words of it, but everybody ought to go to Sunday school. You know that? I was singing that, and they was like, why are you even singing that? I don't know. It was just there. But Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 and 24 and 25 says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And then, this is the one we always know, we know, and it says, and let us not neglect our meeting Together, as some people do. This is the New Living Translation version. I just wanted to better understand it. But it says, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of the return of the Lord is near. He's coming soon. You need us. We need you now more than ever. Now more than ever is the time when we should come together and we should be transformed together. Love on each other. Be there for each other when you're hurting, when you're down. There are so many sick right now. There are those that have had surgeries. There are those that can't be here because of other situations. It's getting so, so much that I can't keep up with everybody. Being together, having each other's back. I've had some that have called and said, Hey, I, this, did you know about this? No, I didn't. And then I'm grateful for that. Because I can't keep up with everything that's going on. See, in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, Paul appeals to two things, three things in the first two verses. The first three things, the first one is present your bodies as a living sacrifice. What does that mean? What does that mean to you? Present yourself as a living sacrifice. 
Theologian Frank Crouch says in his commentary that every day in all the places that we go, all the things that we do, and all of the decisions and the recommendations that we make, that's offering your body as a living sacrifice. You're offering yourself as information. We talk about it in Sunday school, being ready being ready to offer something that you have that maybe that person does not have. You want to be different? You want somebody around you to be different? Offer yourself as a living sacrifice. Know the word. Be ready to share. Be ready to compel them. That was the first thing. Number two, it says do not be conformed to this world. We know what that means. Don't be like it. You have to be in it, but you don't have to be of it. We have to live in this world, but let's make the world that we live in better because of who we know and how we live. Y'all with me? But then it says, be transformed. Be transformed. What does that mean? It means to be different. To be different. The ability to present yourself as a living sacrifice, being able to do that relies on your ability to transform. In the Strong's uh, Concordance, the word transform here in verse 2 comes from the Greek word, which means metamorphosis. Well, you know, if you've, if you've been in school, you know what metamorphosis is, right? That's when that ugly caterpillar, just for an example, that ugly, y'all might think, well, they're just cute. Roll with me, okay? They're ugly. They, they just ugly. They just squirm and move. And the only thing I think of is fish bait. That look real good on a hook, right? They're ugly. But metamorphosis, when that happens, there is a transformation that takes place. It renews. It changes. And it goes into this place of metamorphosis where when it comes out on the other side. It is the most beautiful butterfly you've ever seen. And Pastor McKenzie hates butterflies. She thinks they're scary. So just don't look at her. Metamorphosis. There are places you can go in South America that you can go to the butterfly, what is it called? Garden, where there's all these flowers and there's these thousands and upon thousands of butterflies just floating through the air and they're beautiful, but they had to, to get to that point, there had to be a change, there had to be a transformation, there had to be something that took place within them to get them to where they are today. When you look at it, you think, wow, that is the most beautiful thing that I have ever seen. They started out ugly, but they became beautiful. There are things that are competing for your life for your time, and for your time at church in our world today. There are things in this world that are competing for your family, for your kids, for your soul, for your eternity. There are things in this world that the enemy is using in competition for your eternity. That was a good time to say amen. Amen. There are those things in the world. We look at the Ten Commandments. We know what, we know what uh, the, first five, the first five say, you shall not have no other gods before me. 
you don't have your steel-toed shoes on, you might put them on right now. Or pick your feet up, because I'm fixing to stomp. You shall have no other gods before me. Things that take you and take your family away from the house of God, your relationship with God, your walk with God, is a God. Little g, God. Anything that takes you away from him, you have placed it in a, in a place where God should be all by himself. Thou shalt have no graven, or thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images. You shall have no other images but him. Number three, thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. You can't watch TV. You can't even watch commercials without hearing that. Things that are robbing us, robbing us of our peace, robbing us up from our relationship. And if we allow that in our home, our kids are thinking, that's okay. Look, mom and dad, your kids are depending on you to bring them to the house of God. Your kids are depending on you to teach them the things that are good and the things that are bad. This is a little G God, but we put this over our God. Right? And this one here, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Nobody likes that one, right? Look, let me say this. I think I told, I don't remember where I read this or who I heard this. If the Sabbath is holy, if it's holy, it's not yours. If the Sabbath is holy, and if it's holy, it's not yours. You get that? You with me? I knew it'd get real quiet. And then here's another one. Honor your mom and dad. Honor your mom and dad. That's a big one. It's a big one. Mom and dad, if you want them to honor you, what's number one in your life? Is God number one in your life? Your parent, your, your kids, they need to see you. They need to hear you praying. They need to see you. They need to hear you reading your word. They need to hear you say, get in the truck. We're going to church. They need to know that that is the utmost priority in your life. It has to be that way. If you want honor, give honor to who gets it the most. Give honor to the one who most deserves it, requires it. Paul's choice of words and the transformation that he describes here suggests that not, not so elegantly that the practice teaching that follows us and challenges us. This radical change, this radical way of being different in the world, it's going to require something deep within you. It's going, to re it's going to require something deep within your soul, in your body, in your, in your spirit. It's going to require something 
that maybe you have not found before. It's going to take a decision that you make. It's going to take a a stand that you stand that this is what we're going to do and it shall not be changed no matter what. If you want your kids to go to heaven, we read it. If he's coming again in, in Hebrews, if he's coming now more than ever, he's coming soon. These things we've got to do. We've got to make changes. Paul gets down to business in chapter 12, verse 3, as he launches into his description of a renewed in Christ life in the church. Verse 3 says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to his measure of faith that God has assigned. In verses 3 through 13, I told you I'm going I'm to skip through, so if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down. In verses 3 through 13 and beyond, he wants us to see the specific ways in which we demonstrate our new life among our fellow believers. He needs us to think with sober judgment. Your family, your brothers and sisters in Christ, your church family needs to see us operating in sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned to you. There's so so much here that we could just separate and divide and all this, but we're going to stick to this this morning. Our ability, well, in in chapter 12, it talks about one body. We are one body. There's many parts. This is one body. My body is one body, but yet I have an arm that's moving, but yet this arm's down by my side. I have one leg that's shaking, but one that's still standing there. We have all these different parts, but it takes both of these to walk it takes both of these to praise my Lord. It takes my mouth to sing praises, to bring edification to his name. It takes everything in me to make this thing work. It's the same within our church. But one of the things that we need to pay attention to or, or understand, it, we can go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11, is our ability to make public demonstration of our faith. It depends on us doing so together as a body. As a body of believers, look, when, you, when people drive down the road right now, they, they see everybody's vehicle that's sitting on this parking lot. They already got you labeled. They already say that, that, that group of people, they go to church at HFA, they're crazy. They're crazy. They already got you labeled. That's okay if we are crazy in the right way, in the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm a Jesus fan. Y'all remember that song? I'm a Jesus fan. Maybe maybe I'll bring it up a little bit, but it ain't much. But Jesus Freak by Toby Mac. I don't know if there's been any. Anyway, you can look them up. They're pretty good songs. But we are different. But we're supposed to be different. 
We're supposed to be contagious. We're supposed to be Christ-like. And if what I have is good, if it's Christ-like, then guess what? Somebody else is going to want what I got. And if you ain't Christ-like, we say, well, I go to church, preacher. Well, going to church don't make you a Christian. It doesn't. What makes you a Christian is a relationship. It's a relationship with God. I shared a story this morning in Sunday school of a, of a great friend of mine, Mickey T. He was, Mickey T is, he is, he's a hard worker. He grew up on a crab boat. His family had a crab, a crab, crab house out on the Outer Banks of North Carolina. All he knew as a kid growing up was getting in a boat and going out and pulling crab pots. The dude is, let's just, he's, he's swole up. If you want to go into a fight, you want Mickey T on your side. Mickey T will tell you that his family, they're missionaries on the coast, and they are planting churches where nobody has ever been before. And it's not been easy. But Mickey T, you can, you can ask him. He'll tell you, I'm not, the, years ago, I'm not the missionary. My wife is the missionary. Her name's Jennifer. And she, she had a prison ministry. She was going into the, into the prisons of Ecuador, men and women. And she was doing, I mean, just a marvelous, crazy, awesome work. Mickey T, he called me, just to kind of tell you, he called me one day. He was, in, he was at the prison with Jennifer, and they had a riot breakout. And he said, man, we're stuck in the prison. The prison prisoners had taken over the prison. And he's like, man, I, I'm looking out the window, and there's, there's prisoners on top of the prison. And, I mean, it's just crazy. It's the kind of things that they did. But now they moved to the coast, and they are, they are planting churches. And, and he called me last week or week before, and he said, Shannon, he said, man, let me tell you a story. And this, is not, this is not Mickey. He said, Shannon, he said, I've been getting speeding tickets. And in Ecuador, it's kilometers per hour. And he said, I'll be going. And he said, and I know from experience that they, they like to set these traps. Well, he would get this ticket in the mail. It said he was doing 157. But he's only doing 57. They were adding 100 to everything that he was doing. He said, after about the third or fourth one, he said, I was just going to pay it because sometimes, most of the time, it's just easier just to pay it and get out of it. But he said, they just kept coming, kept coming. He was desperate. He didn't know what to do. He couldn't, he was going to lose points off his license. He was going to lose his license. He said, I know what to do. He said, then all of a sudden, he said, I, I came in contact with this, with this lawyer. And he said, yeah, I can help you. I can help you out with these. I, I, I. And they went to court and won. Got his money back, all this stuff. And, but something happened in the vehicle. This lawyer looked at Mickey and he said, what do you do? That was the question that you got a lot of times is, what, what do you do? You're, you're a gringo, you're in Ecuador, what, what are you doing here? He said, because you're different. You're different than any of the other gringos that live here different. Mickey said, well, we're missionaries. Usually, that's the point when the conversation is cut off. 
And he said, you're a missionary. He said, well, I want the religion you have. Mickey said, I don't have a religion. I have a relationship. He said, well, is there anything I can do to have this relationship? He said, yeah, man, you just got to pray. And you just got to, he said, is that easy? That's it? He said, yeah. Mickey T led him in the sinner's prayer in his vehicle, speed the light vehicle. And he told him, he said, Mickey, he said, he said, I'm a drunk. I'm drunk. I'm an alcoholic. I've been unfaithful to my wife. My kids don't love me. My kids don't have anything to do with us. Will this relationship help me? Mickey said, I would love to tell you, yes, it will. It'll, it'll restore everything. He said, I, I, I know he can. I, I believe he can, but I can't tell you that he will. But they prayed. And after that prayer, because of a choice that Mickey T made to be different, to be transformed, that guy's the most faithful person in their church. His wife has forgiven him and came back to church and lives for the Lord. They go to church together. Their kids now love them and they're a part of their family. There is a God of restoration, but there has to be a transformation that takes place. If you want your home to be restored, be transformed. If you want your kids to love Christ and love you, be transformed. You have got to be different. This is the year of 2023. This is the year of transformation. It doesn't matter what happened in the past. What matters is what happens today and then let God take care of the rest. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let him have your mind. Paul's talking about in, in, this, in, in this chapter, in chapter 12 and chapter, in chapter 14, he's talking about us doing this together. There are things in your life that are going to be hard and going to be difficult. And you think, I can do this on my own. How many of you said that? How many of you said that? You don't have to raise your hand, but I want you to think about it. How many of you have said that in your lifetime? You've been up against the wall. You've been backed up in the corner, and you think there's no way out but to fight. There's no way out. I can't, I can't do anything. I'm just going to make this happen on my own. If you want to be transformed, you've got to find your place in prayer. Get on your knees and ask the Lord of transformation to transform you, to be different. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be the hardest thing you've ever done. Well, that's reassuring. By yourself, it will be the hardest thing that you've ever done in your life. But when you've got brothers and you've got sisters, when you've got family in the house of God that will lay down their life for you, that will hold hands with you, lock arm in arm with you, if you want to fight the devil, let's go after it. If you want to attack hell, let's go. Come on, I'll fight with you. Anybody want to join arms with me? Those few that do, yeah. Come on, I'm serious, church. This is not something that we are going to play with. This is something that we have to take very serious, especially in the day that we're living in. 
Our kids, our youth, the things that they go through in their life is nothing what you went through in yours. You say, oh, you don't know. Trust me, I know. When everything, when everything is available for them at their fingertips, I didn't have one of these when I was a kid. They wasn't invented. Yes, believe it or not, they weren't invented. I remember I was in college when I heard the Internet. Well, I had a college class on how to do email. Now, as things have evolved, everything that they want, I mean, I get to a point, I can't, I can't even remember a scripture. Hey, Google. Or hey, Siri. Right? It's at our fingertips. We don't even have to type it anymore. You just speak it out. Alexa. Are y'all with me? It's a different world than it was when you were a kid. It changes, and it's going to keep changing. It's not going to be for the good. But the one thing that can be good is your walk and your relationship with God. Because if I want my kids to continue to live for the Lord, if I want my grandbaby, the one that I was humping, uh, hopping and jumping around and saying, you know, get their attention, that's on me. If I want them to love Christ, then I've got to be the image. I've got to be the example. I've got to be the one that leads the way. You've got to be the one that leads the way. You've got to be the one that, that leads an example. It's on you. It's on you. It's on us. If you want your kids to love Christ, I'm not, I'm not trying to beat you down at all. I'm trying to lift you up and encourage you and tell you that it is scary out there and you better be the best thing and taking them to the best place, being the best example that you can because he is the best thing that you can ever give your kids. He is the only thing that you should ever give your kids. They need to know that he is number one in your life. And if they don't know that, you have failed. Don't that knock your hat in the creek? If they don't know Christ is number one in, you li in your life, you have failed your kids. That's hard stuff. But it's the truth. Am I right? If Christ isn't number one in your life, then today's the day to transform. Today's the day to make the difference, to make the change. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to beat you down. Don't take it this way. But church, it is, it's, it's time for the truth to be the truth and not dance around subjects. If you want to be whole, Find Christ, be changed, be transformed. If you want to be healed, look, the lady at the woman, the, the lady with the issue of blood. How many times in the scripture did, did Jesus go to them and touch people and they be healed? He said, You are healed, go in your faith has made you. But 
this woman, the only one that pursued him and touched him, she was the only one in Scripture that was made whole. Pursue him. Chase him. Desire him. Want him. So your kids will want him and desire him as well. Be transformed. It starts with us. It starts with us. It starts as, as your pastor. It's, it starts with me. 2023. It's going to be the change in me. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to. God has wore me out over this stuff. That quit trying to dance around feelings and families and speak the truth and let the truth be the truth. You're not going to get anything that I add extra. I mean, you might, but you know where I'll stand on the word. On the word. If our musicians and singers will make their way back this morning. Some of you may say it's too late. It's not too late. It's never too late. You're here today. It, that's good enough, right? You're not in this by yourself. So stop thinking that. Stop thinking. Let those around you know. I mean, you don't have to be stupid about it. You don't have to go around and just, that, that, when I say stupid, I mean, out of the will of God, out of, that, that God ain't in that. When you just, I'll just be honest. There are times when some people are just, Told you I was going to be honest, but this one, I'm... people try to be so super spiritual that they are fake. They are. There's a place for the spirituality. I know that they, that we allow. Don't, don't get too far off in the weeds with this. If you're walking in the plan and the will of God, God's not the author of confusion. And sometimes people are just so crazy and so far out there that they have confused everybody in the room. And that is not God. Am I right? That's not the way he works. He's a gentleman. He's a savior. He loves you just as you are. But he changes you into the image that he desires. Quit trying to do something on your own. Quit trying. You can't do it on your own. There's an analogy of, I, didn't, I never had one as a kid. But a, a rock tumbler. Anybody ever have a rock tumbler when you were a kid? Maybe you're an adult and you have one. I don't, there's no judgment here. But you know where you take the ugly, rough rocks and you put them in this container? You put some sand in this container and some water and 
you just turn it on. You know what I'm talking about? No? Does anybody not? Okay. And you turn it on, and it, and it just spins. It's not big. It's not big. You put these ugly, rough rocks in this tumbler with sand and water, and you turn it on. And days go by. Maybe even weeks go by. And at the end, when you turn that machine off and you open the container, the tumbler, and you and those rocks that, that were once rough and ugly and are now smooth and they're beautiful. And people sell them and make money off of rocks in their driveway. Everybody's going to go and flood the market, get on Amazon and buy all the... It's true. It's a true thing. Google it. See? Google it. Look it up. But how does that feel into the church? We are all rough rocks. We all got rough edges. We all got imperfections. But how we come together as a church, as bodies, that, that we do life together, we're in the tumbler together, and the Holy Spirit is in there with us, and as we do life together, this edge will get knocked off, and it'll get smoothed all, all over here, and it, by the time it's done, when eternity happens, when Jesus steps out on the clouds of glory to call us home, when we come out of the tumbler, we're all smooth, we're all perfect, and we are standing in the presence of God. Because we did life together. Because you need me and I need you. And what I've been through in my life, it may help you with what you're going through in your life. And what you're going through in your life, it's going to help somebody else. But all this change, all this transformation has happened when we've done life together. Be transformed. I know I've thrown a lot at you this morning, but be transformed. Being transformed is all that he asked of you. Your kids are depending on you. Those people that you work with are depending on you. Your spouses are depending on you. Your family is depending on you. Everyone around you is depending on you to be different, to be transformed. Are you willing to allow that to happen? Would you stand with me all over this room this morning? This morning, as heads are bowed and the eyes are closed, if you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, you are, you are hitting the nail on the head this morning. Sorry, my words are getting all jumbled see pastor ever since I got up this morning God's been dealing with me maybe you're here and you say at home is not what it needs to be maybe you're saying I'm not what I need to be I need to be different I need to be transformed I need to be changed and the only way that that's going to happen is with the relationship with God that's you this morning, would you slip your hand up and right back down? There's a hand. Anybody else? There's another hand. Anybody else? Anyone else this morning? 
being transformed, being changed. I want to be different. I need to be different. I need to be different for my kids. I need to be different for my family. For my work, I need to be different. Anybody. Anybody else. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I want to invite you. I, I don't want to embarrass anybody. If God is, if God has spoke to you this morning, I want to invite you to come. Find a place of prayer. I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you. Would you do it?